0: Hello friends and welcome to episode number 226 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, we're back to doing two episodes a week. How do you feel about this? You it like was that? time. I'm ready, man. It is time. Everything's ramping up and it's time for us to sort of... We're
1: in the best shape of our life.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say I no um definitely not well, Patrick, but
1: spring training everyone's in the best shape of their life
0: i'll say i'll what i'll what i'll say is that my brain is in the best shape uh that it could possibly be in right now i like that not really though um because <laughs> i'm stifling yawns listen um thank you for everybody listening to uh to the podcast you can find us at bfmd podcast on twitter and the website is the same bfmdpodcast.com You guys know where to find us at this point. Wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us. I want to get right into the news because I find there's some cool little anecdotes or cool stories that happened over the last few days. So, Justin, let's just get right into it. Uh, I'll get you to lead off with uh, this quote here from Hazel. And then I'm so excited to talk about uh, Fred McGriff. (laughs) Yeah, Fred McGriff this week. Um, we talked about it last week. He's in the Hall of Fame now. We'll talk about it more, though, because he made a decision on what cap he's wearing when he goes into the Hall of Fame. Super happy about it. Let's get into the news, though, with Hazel.
1: Yes, so <laughs> a, non, a non-baseball thing. It's Hazel May tweeted out, A uh, manager, John Schneider, was out for lunch with his wife. when a woman at another table was choking and couldn't breathe. Schneider rushed to her aid, performed the Heimlich Maneuver, and saved her. Just another day in the life. And uh, there was another story where apparently... It was like a shrimp she was choking on, and she just immediately went right back and started eating the shrimp again. So, what a trooper. <laughs> John Schneider, that's, lifesaver. That's
0: crazy. Can you imagine, re- like, being in that situation, uh, IRL, like, in the real world, having to perform the Heimlich? I, it's been so long since I did my CPR Same. training and all that. Like it's, I never updated it, <laughs> and it's just like... Oh my god, it'd be so crazy if that started happening, but you you really gotta push right below, I think it's right below the ribs, is it, or in the uh, middle of the ribs? Yeah, I don't it's kind of in the, remember.
1: below the rib, and you kind of cup your, your, one of your thumbs sticks out a bit, and you like thrust up and pull, you push in and up, and pull up. Kind of yeah, kind of interesting. Airway clear.
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting that this would just happen while he was out at lunch, and uh, just kind of a cool story you don't hear about this kind of stuff when it comes to the regular everyday lives of players like who knows like (laughs) do we know they play video games or watch tv yeah it's one of those things like like, star wars who knows
1: even if you don't like have a cpr certification like just literally watch a youtube video for two minutes to know how to perform the j thrust or the heimlich whatever you want to call it because yeah that's one of those things that yeah somebody's choking you could save their life like we should be expected to know how to like perform a field tourniquet and everything else but if you can if you know how to do that know? then you're doing okay
0: what did you call it
1: a f- a f- the j thrust that's like kind of what they're calling what? it now because you make a j motion you like with your hand It's you the do Heimlich. It kind of yeah but, but people it the call Heimlich. it a j thrust too the
0: j thrust that sounds like yeah. one of your shitty nicknames from junior high <laughs> when, you play- when you were playing when you're playing <laughs> hockey no. J thrust. <laughs> I, never
1: I never played hockey, so thankfully I didn't have that nickname. J uh, thrust. <laughs> but anyway, uh,
0: I'm going to start calling you J
1: thrust. Oh, uh, please don't. That sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Let's uh, look. I don't want to talk about this
0: anymore. I want to talk about Fred McGriff. Yes, yeah, so
1: let's talk about Fred McGriff, Patrick. So we we know that Scott Rowland's going to go in with the Cardinal hat. We talked about that the other week. That we weren't sure if he would choose uh, the Cards or if he would go maybe to Cincinnati, but he went with the Cards, which. I believe was what i thought he would do uh, which is the right call fred McGriff, on the other hand he's going with the blank hat he's not going to have any logos on it Uh, i'll let you read out the quote that he or from the story here patrick
0: this is really cool this is a quote i don't know where this quote came from but this is what he said uh 15 of my 19 major league seasons were split playing half a decade with the blue jays Braves, and devil rays McGriff said at each stop i was lucky to be a part of memorable teams and to play in front of some of the best fans in baseball In discussing my career with the Hall of Fame, we decided that with no logo on my plaque, I can equally represent these cities and the incredible fans in Toronto, where I got my start, Atlanta, where we won the World Series, and my hometown of Tampa Bay, as well as my time in San Diego. I can't wait to see my plaque when it's unveiled this July in Cooperstown. Nice. I, I, I love it. This is such a baller move. Like, if I were in his position, I mean, he works for the Braves it would have been really easy for him to make the decision to go in as a brave. You could argue mo- most of his career success came with the Braves, given the fact that they won the world series, but he, he decides to go in with no logo. Uh, I think it's super classy. Uh, I just, I, you know, Fred McGriff is one of the, one of the best Jays we've ever seen. And it's just, it's cool. It's just cool. How do you feel about this?
1: I, uh, like it too i think it was the right call because he spent such equal time between toronto and atlanta especially and then tampa bay as well it just made sense that he kind of didn't pick a side because i mean he was he was insane when he broke into the league with the blue jays like he was just good from day one and then yeah like you said won the world series in tampa or in atlanta so yeah i think really when he probably sat down and thought about it there was just really too many pros to going in without a logo because like he said he can now represent all of the franchises that he played for so i love that
0: again the 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 veterans committee writing a wrong when a guy who should be in the hall of fame misses out just because they there's i don't know if it's their stats don't pass the eyeball test but but uh Fred mcgriff is more than that uh in my mind, he was—he was a perpetual, you know, MVP vote getter for yeah. a good.
1: He was incredible.
0: Uh, for a good like you know, seven, eight years in a row, he was getting MVP votes. He almost won MVP in uh, in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Uh, perpet like perpetual silver slugger in the uh, late eighties and early nineties. Perpetual All Star. Um, you know d- what a tremendous career. Imagine ret- if you could retire with a career OPS of like what what is it? 886. Yep. <laughs> uh 1500 RBI, 493 home runs. I take it. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. The yep. end. Great fielder, uh great runner. Uh just man I just love Fred McGriff. It's really cool that he's getting into the Hall of Fame, and uh, yeah, let's let's leave it at that. That's yep. great. Congrats to him.
1: For sure. Uh, a couple of broadcast notes: uh, Dan Shulman and Joe S- Joe Siddle Patrick have been nominated for the best play-by-play and best analyst for the Screen uh, r- 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 Screenwriter Guild or whatever it is of Canada. They each won the award last year, so they're the reigning award winners and they've been nominated again which is very deserving to the best in the business and uh last thing on the commentary side of things we know buck martinez is coming back and then he's going to split time with joe siddle in terms of the uh, analyst color commentary chair buck's going to do 100 games and joe will cover the remaining 62 i'm almost guessing that most of joe's will be road games um, as, I mean, he's been a regular on Blue Jays Central on the desk with Jamie and, and, and Caleb in the past few years here. So, But uh, it's good to see that they're going to be giving Buck still a pretty full slate of games and letting him get some time off as well, too. So Yeah, good my guess it.
0: is that the games that take place in Toronto and in Florida are probably for Buck.
1: That would make sense, yeah.
0: And then all the other road games... Plus or minus, however many, because I don't think we have that many games on the road in Tampa mm-hmm. or Miami this year, because the schedule's all—it's
1: all, it's all uh, wonky. But yeah,
0: yeah, it's like it's quite different. So like I would say like <laughs> that Joey, would be a,
1: yeah, that'd be a pretty good breakdown. I think like you said, like there'll be eighty-one home games and then be yeah. close to probably close to nineteen. There'll still be fourteen against the Rays, so you'll probably have Joe seven. will probably
0: be on every broadcast, as will Dan, yeah. and then Buck will be on a hundred, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we'll see who else they bring into the desk if joe is doing yeah and it's probably caleb and jamie campbell and then somebody else are nice too
1: to still have buck around because say dan needs to take a week off or something like maybe there's like a family event or like a wedding or whatever comes up and he wants to Take a weekend, then at least they still have Buck who can slide into that chair is, too. So do
0: we know whether or not Dan is still doing uh March Madness or not? Because I'm that's a lot of games not early on like
1: certain it's I think well he there's the whole broadcast team's in Florida for spring training, so I I'm not sure if he's doing games unless he's calling them remotely. So
0: maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's yeah. not doing March Madness. I don't know. Who Maybe knows what he, the, he what was the, was the like tweet the at him on of...
1: Twitter. He'll, he usually responds to tw- questions Yeah, like well, that, so. yeah <laughs> we
0: can check in. And then if you guys who follow us on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast, yeah. we'll get an answer. Um, um I, I love this. This is so... I don't even know. Is this ridiculous or is it just funny? The quote uh, from Jose Barrios <laughs> this week. No, just... I
1: think I think these things are all great. Like, uh next three things we're going to mention, they're all... I would say really a sign of a maturing team, you know? (laughs) Um, And yeah, Jose Barrios from Keegan Matheson, friend of the show says his 2022 struggles led to doubt at times, which kind of took him away from his old mentality. In 2023, he's shifting back quote. One thing I learned was to never give more credit to a hitter than I have to. I'll just believe in myself. I'm Jose Barrios End quote love that. (laughs) Yeah, no, Brios talked about – there was a good article from Caitlin McGrath on The Athletic where uh, she covered a similar story to this with, with that Keegan had here. And I believe Keegan wrote one on MLB.com as well where Brios kind of just got away from his old mentality of just attack, 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 and he thinks that the pitch clock is actually going to help him uh, a lot. And he was one of the, I think he was like one of the only guys on in the rotation last year who would have really not been affected by this new pitch clock because he does work quickly. And he thinks it's going to help him even more just to really just try and get on top of hitters and just attack, attack, attack. So I hope that's the case. But I like the confidence anyway.
0: It was almost as though after getting shelled by Texas and like it, I don't know, I, I can only go by what I see on the television when I'm watching the game. He did mm-hmm. not look ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably because spring training was shortened. I don't know. He did not look prepared, and it was like the rest of the year he was trying to chase being prepared rather than being confident and being able to attack the zone. It was almost like he was so scared of his stuff getting clobbered all the time that he he was trying to do something different. And the only times that he looked good was when he was actually just attacking. The same thing with Kikuchi. Mm -hmm. It was the same problem. As soon as they started getting shelled, their confidence went to shit. Yeah, just
1: immediate... (laughs) self-destruction
0: <laughs> and then we saw kikuchi just try to hammer the zone with cutters thinking that if he could bite those zo- like just the edge of the zones that he'd be okay but uh he the cutter was just lost last year and then he started throwing the slider cutter combo and that worked for a while until it didn't um and we talked about it last week about hopefully he he brings back the curve the a curve. little bit yeah yeah that's well that's your that's a, a money pitch
1: Curveball is the new
0: slider. It's it's a sexy pitch. So is a slider, but.
1: (laughs) Slider is a new slider. Slider Sliders are in. Sliders are so hot right now with the spin.
0: So are curveballs, though. If you got a good one. If you have a really good changeup, batters are fucked. And that's why, that's like my favorite pitch right now is the changeup. Because if you have a good, strong fastball like Ross Stripling who can yeah. crack mid 90s and you have a good changeup and you can uh mask your delivery oh my god you get so many swings and misses off of that pitch and uh, it just frustrates yeah. batters
1: my favorite pitch is still the sinker two seamer i there's nothing more i love than a right-handed pitcher getting a left-handed batter to kind of buckle and then having that pitch come right back across the plate oh it just like that's what Kevin day.
0: Gossman did his first, like, 12 starts was just...
1: That, that, was, a spl- that was splitters. Alec Manoa has a good two-seam. Oh, you're talking about sinker. sinkers? Sinkers, oh, right. yeah. Okay. I'm thinking sinkers, but, yeah, no, it's just, like, yeah. nothing better than... I just love watching a guy think the pitch is, like, inside, and then it just cuts right back across the plate at the last second. I love that. I love two-seamers, and I love, like, relievers who throw, like, 100-mile-an-hour two-seamers. It's just, like, how do you hit that? It's so filthy. It's but, a
0: lot of movement. That's... Yeah fastballs with a lot of movement that's the sexy pitch <laughs> now is the fastballs with a lot of movement yeah. and then you follow it up with a change-up that's mm-hmm. why again strips had a career year he had a fastball yeah. with great movement on it and then his changeup was just
1: well you think of guys who delicio. throw the sinker and changeup combo they both move the exact same direction just at varying speeds right so it's like it's yeah. completely just you just master. it's hard to
0: key on you just kind of have to swing at what you think you just is going to be the location <laughs> and you could be off a tick because if they're throwing a changeup, it's going to yep. be or it should be 10 to 15 miles an hour slower
1: yeah exactly um Quote from Vladdy, Patrick, he was asked about last year's implosion to Seattle in the playoffs. And Vladdy says, quote, it's a new year and we don't talk about it in the clubhouse this year. We move forward like that. I think they probably had enough talking about it as a team after it happened and over the off season. And now it's time to forget about last year. It's a new calendar year. Let's just move on. We want to forget about it, too, I think so.
0: yeah i i don't know i'm i first the first time i read the quote i was like nah, no i don't think this is it but the more that i think about it the more that i think it's a good approach because man the jays were absolutely feasted on in the media for being confident and all these quotes and you remember Vladdy going it's my house it's my house or Last year was the preview. This year's a movie or yeah, dancing in the jacket. Yeah, he was asked about that jacket. this year too.
1: If he had any more quotes to, t- to say, and he said, "I'm gonna let you guys do the talking this year <laughs> to the media." Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I think they
0: they they humbled themselves. That's by that's
1: what I'm saying. Yes, there's a, some maturity that's coming into this team. And I mean, Vladdy and Bo are going into their fifth seasons, and yeah. Bo's 25 and Vladdy's just turning 24 here right away. So like, yeah, <laughs> they're there, still incredibly young.
0: I'm still proud of them for taking the criticism. Oh, yeah. And then instead, like, I mean, obviously certain things are unfounded. Like, remember when Alec Mano was criticized and uh, Alejandro Kirk was criticized for his body type, which is fucking weird because he's a professional athlete. But anyway, yeah. um, weird shit like that. And then, you know, all these quotes that they did because they were, they were trying to have fun. They were excited. They're young. They wanted to win, and they ended up... It, It was an absolute disaster in the playoffs, and there's no way to hide it. You kind of have to take your lumps, and they did.
1: Speaking of playoffs, uh, Alec Manoa, Patrick, uh, he was asked about his game one start last October. He said he had replayed the first inning more than any game in his life. So, this is from Scott Mitchell. So, I asked him what he learned from it. His answer says, show much maturity and attention to detail for a pitcher so young. Here's the quote. I think the biggest thing is I've led the league in hit-by-pitches two years in a row, and I feel like some of that can be used to my advantage, and then some of it isn't to my advantage. I hit Julio Rodriguez twice in that game, and he scored both times. That's two runs out of four. In the playoffs, a hit-by-pitch, and they both scored. Things are magnified. You don't tone down the aggressiveness. It's just the focus level. I had Julio 1-2, and I believe, and then I hit him. The focus level was, yeah, put him away instead of, all right, take your breath, get your arm on time, get downhill, get your extension. The little focus of making the pitch instead of getting the result. I vividly remember having him one and two and just trying to rear back. All right, here we go. Put him away. And thinking of the crowd already cheering and all that stuff. Next thing you know, you hit him. There's a bloop over first and then a home run. Completely different ball game. I think focusing on the little things instead of the big end result will help me. Fuck, I love that. <laughs>
0: this is uh a a callback to what we were just talking about when it comes to maturity the way that he analyzed what happened me I I hope he didn't beat himself up too much about this because again like you got one opportunity to have like your first postseason start and Mm -hmm. yeah it didn't go great and yeah we didn't win the game yeah it was we blew a lead whatever but he got he did get it under control I don't know. I just I hope he didn't beat himself up too much because he's a great pitcher and lots of pitchers have bad you know one off starts in the playoffs. Some guys just can't like some guys. It's like their whole career, but I don't think it's going to be Alec Manoa because he already has the maturity to recognize what it is he has to work on. He's not caught up in his I'm Alec Manoa. I can't you know I can't lose. Like he knows. He knows what happened and he knows how to make the adjustments. That's a lot of maturity for like yeah, a 24 year old.
1: there's been uh, There's already been some stories like Manoa's already turning into a leader on this team, especially with the younger players, which is hard to believe because he's pretty young himself. But there's a tight story. tight with Ryu? Yeah, he's super tight with Hanjin. Um, but he's, there's also been a story where he's actually been really helping out Ricky Tiedemann in camp so far. Not a surprise. Ob- on, and Ricky talked about, he was interviewed and said that, yeah, obviously he knows how fast Alec rose up through the minor leagues and he's been on a similar trajectory and he wants to do the same thing. He wants to get to the show and make an impact. So I know he's, he talked about how, and you see it in every video where it's a young pitcher throwing a side session in in the covered mounds in Dunedin and Alec is in the background watching it, whether it's Jano catching it or somebody else he's He's in there watching and you can hear him saying, yeah, yeah, baby at a boy. Like every time they make a good pitch, and then i guess right afterwards he's one of the first guys to come up and talk to them and be like here's what i saw kind of thing he's he's really out there trying to help his teammates and i think that's one of the great things that the, about this team is that they're always watching each other and always there to kind of lend feedback right like you when Bassett got signed Gosman was Talking right away, like I need to ask him. about all ten pitches he throws, like they want, they want to soak up as much knowledge. Them, like, right away. Or no, Bo text Varsha. Varsha right Yeah. Away. So it's like these guys are all so eager to learn anything that, from the other guy that they can help make themselves better. I think that that really shows uh, as an organization, and I'm sure other organizations are the same. But the, as an organization, like the culture is there, long gone are the Shea Hillenbrand, this ship is sinking days. <laughs> you, you, you never really hear. Oh, we haven't heard any stories about like, oh, like Bo hates this guy. You know, like there's never there hasn't really been anything like that in recent years. It seems that everybody is there to to make each other better, and they have the goal of winning. So yeah, the, there's no yeah.
0: Josh Donaldson, Dalton Pompey. There's no big
1: personalities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Well, there. I think there no, there's, are. There's big some big personalities, personalities, but there's but just, no assholes. They're <laughs> yeah, they're different. They're different yeah. personalities. You got guys like George Springer who is also like i mean he's it's weird to say because he's 33 34 that he's an old man on the team and he's also (laughs) he has he still has his youthful exuberance like Mm -hmm. he's still he's he he found a way to sort of embed himself yep in the culture of the club yeah uh very early he didn't remember the quote that he said years ago when he when he signed he didn't want to establish the culture he wanted to like mold into it. Into he wanted it. to yeah. blend into it. Yeah. And he has. And that culture has shifted a little bit uh since, you know, uh twenty nineteen and the you know, the struggles and the
1: Yeah, this know. is a team that's that's on the upswing, right? The last couple of years they've they've improved. I mean they made the shortened playoffs in twenty twenty. They lost obviously missed it by one game in twenty twenty one, made the playoffs in twenty twenty two there's they're going through i think what every team has to do before they win and that's have those heartbreaking defeats um and yeah. then they then the, that's how you get the experience and the and the ability to overcome them is when you when you experience that crushing blow and you have to get over it and move on right they they, they already have that down now they just gotta get hot at the right time of the year in, in october and go the distance right so hopefully they can.
0: Yeah, let's All talk right. about let's let's talk about the big thing we want to yes. do tonight. This is so, your baby.
1: Yeah, there's been a ton of talk already around camp, and obviously the first game isn't played in for until Saturday, uh, which is exciting. We've only got another two two days without baseball, um, but there's been a lot of chatter about the lineup and the composition against righties, against lefties. How are they going to split playing time? Who's going to hit where? So we thought we'd take a stab at it here. Uh, each of us have prepared a lineup for uh, facing right-handed pitchers and facing left-handed pitchers. So we're going to go down the, the order here, and we're going to just start with righties, and we'll say, okay, when there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound, who are we throwing out there? Patrick, leading off, who do you have? George
0: Springer. It just yeah. makes sense. He is one of the best leadoff hitters it's weird to say this but he he is one of the best leadoff hitters <laughs> of all time he's already in the top four he's top I think three he's,
1: yeah top four for uh, i think he only moments. has
0: to pass like ian kinsler and then ricky
1: yeah i think he's either tied with curtis granderson or like right around the candy man, No, so. i think he passed the granny man did, last yeah. year but so
0: yeah like uh he's just one of the best leadoff hitters uh of all time which is weird because he's again he's He's 33, 34. He's still got plenty of years left, but uh, he's just a great leadoff option. He yeah. had a pretty strong OPS against right handed pitching last mm-hmm. year.
1: Um, yeah, really. If you don't, if you don't count Jano, who didn't have as many at bats as everybody else, he's second to Vladdy on the team behind uh, for OPS against righties. So
0: he's just the he's the default uh, lead off hitter.
1: Yeah. I agree. If
0: he's in the lineup, he's he's leading off. I think if end. if
1: it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? We've seen, we've seen how much better the team yeah. performs when George is in the lineup, because they don't have to put somebody else at that leadoff spot. We were going to talk a lot about it a lot, but lengthening your lineup right away by adding George at the top is huge. So. He's yeah. also
0: distractingly handsome, so I think that'll help us. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: never a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> I think um, that'll
0: help us against our opponents. No, yeah,
1: no, no. H- leading hitting second, you and I differ in our opinions here. I'm actually going with a new face. I'm putting Dalton Varsho in a in the second slot against right-handed pitching. Um, reason being is this guy is a guy who can play any outfield position. He's a, a natural center fielder. We actually drafted as a catcher, so... Uh, we might see him in some situations there this year. But he had an 8.01 OPS against righties last year with Arizona. And it was even better in the second half. Uh, he got off to a relatively slow start in the first half of the year and then really picked it up. But an 8.01 OPS against righties, a guy who had 27 homers last year, he can steal bases for you. It, it's really a guy that I think would benefit from hitting behind a Springer because Springer's got a nice OBP, right? He's going to be on base for you quite a bit. He's going to hit doubles to start the game. He's going to be there for you. to. You're going to see pitches if you're hitting second. And I think a guy like Varsho, who's got that speed and that pop ahead of a guy like Vladdy or a guy like Bo, um, it's going to make it harder for the op- opposition to turn double plays. And it's also going to give you that chance to really um, score right away. And I like having the lefty at second because if you stack righties there late in the game, the other team can go to that tough righty reliever and they're still going to have to deal with Varsho. So that's why I put him there. Who do you have?
0: I like the idea of it, but I do disagree. I'm going for uh, the guy who has slightly less power, um, but uh, has a a much higher batting average. I'm going with the shortstop, Bo Bichette. Um, I think that Bo is going to have a 2021 level year, except better. I do think that he will crack 30-30. Wow, I think okay. we, we I think he has a capability. I think the changes to the bases are going to be, uh, they're going to help Bo. Uh, I think the Jays are going to be planning around those on-field changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the change in the shift, uh, it'll be a i think vladio be a harder out uh and i think having especially on Bo, ground balls right exactly i think having bow out there already with the wheels that he has um
1: and that's you know, why i picked varsho for the same reason for the speed <laughs>
0: yeah i think Bo has slightly less speed and slightly less power than dalton varsho but mm-hmm. Bo also has the ability to be 30 30 and i don't know if varsho is in the same league as far as being able to do both really right.
1: well yeah but I, the reason that i put Varsho here is i mean like i said he had 27 homers last year 26 of them were against right-handed pitching yeah so he's an absolute monster so he's a guy that i wanted in there um for those late game situations where they're not they're not just going to be able to go to a righty to face the top of yes. the order
0: your your ross yeah. your second slot goes for
1: uh i'm thinking of like
0: a uh, much more uh flexible and yeah. i wouldn't say
1: i'm playing uh, chess over here
0: <laughs> you're playing well i i, I would playing argue five, playing chess. chess as well but what i would argue is that i'm going with i'm going with both uh the 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 more reliable player For when sure. it comes to performance but also the guy who we've seen perform the best batting second yeah uh i don't have it broken down in front of me what uh Beau's performance looks like in any other slot other than the two slot but i believe he batted second most of 2021 and i'm looking to recapture his performance from 2021 and the 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 stats that we saw in 2021 were ungodly he scored 121 yeah. runs
1: so last year just to use, use last year's an example he hit second most of the time he had 403 of his plate appearances there and hit 280 yeah. in that that's time. good um, and I'll pull up twenty-one numbers here as well. In twenty twenty-one, he had again four hundred plate appearances there and hit two ninety-nine in the second spot. So, second spot has always been like they always say you put your best hitter there because they're more likely to get an extra plate appearance later in a game. So I I don't I don't disagree at all with putting, Bo there. Obviously, he's an incredible hitter and has a chance, like you said, to be a thirty thirty guy or hit three hundred or whatever it may be. Or um, all three or all three it is it is not it's not impossible for sure i the reason i like Varsha there is i think they brought him in for a purpose and yes, obviously defense is a big thing but i thought that you know not grouping all the lefties like we, or the righties excuse me like we used to see in the Donaldson, Batista, and carnassion era where they'd bring in a tough reliever i want to give the other team a, a headache to deal with so
0: it's a question of flexibility uh, over versus reliability for sure, I would say Bo's a more reliable hitter. Varsho gives yeah. you much, much more flexibility, yes. and that's kind of that's probably where we should conclude with. Yeah. with, no, sec- with the no, I like two that.
1: Um, number three, you've you've got we both got Vladdy here. <laughs> it's
0: I have Vladdy batting third, both yeah. left and right. As do and I. I. I don't see that changing. I don't see them moving Vladdy. Um, I, there's just no reason you want Vladdy to get the maximum amount of plate appearances. I you could make a case for him batting second. Yeah, I was just but it doesn't say that. it doesn't make sense because Bo is 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 such a threat.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Vladi actually
0: or uh show would be such a threat on the base pass, it just mm-hmm. makes sense.
1: Yeah, average wise uh Vladi did have a better batting average hitting second last year. But I do believe that I think he's mentioned that he likes hitting third. Uh, yeah. I believe I saw it there even this week where he said he likes hitting in the third spot um in 2021 when he had his near MVP season he hit 316 batting third and had almost all of his plate appearances there and he talked about how last year he was he wasn't as selective as he could have been and we we know that because the strikeout rate went up and the walk rate d- dropped right so he
0: kept getting uh okie doped with those uh first like pitch
1: breaking balls and yeah. or
0: the yeah the backdoors. uh yes i guess it would be like
1: curve yeah change and cutters Just, and whatever yeah. else yeah <laughs> So, All that yeah. business, so yeah, uh, I, I do not think a lot of favorable calls for Vladdy. Yeah, I don't think there's court. any reason to take him out of that spot, especially, I mean, 841 OPS against righties, the best regular uh, numbers against uh, of any of Blue Jay last year. Um, yeah. Fourth, well, you had Bo in the second spot. I've got him bad in cleanup. Uh, sounds, sounds like so far in camp that they're going to likely start with Bo there. Um, we've seen this before, and... Uh, it's it's worked relatively well it's kind of the same argument that you said for having him hitting second right he's one of your best hitters he's got that gap to gap power with the new dimensions at rogers center his other way his right center field power is going to lead to some more opposite field home runs um again
0: some wall bangers yeah some
1: wall bangers there it's it's i mean he's one of your best hitters on the team like you've already said and I, I like him hitting fourth. Uh, who do you have there?
0: Yeah, I love the case for Bo at cleanup, but I, I opted to go with uh, the, the same construction uh, of the lineup that we saw last year, which is that we had uh, batting fourth, batting cleanup, Alejandro Kirk. Uh, I thought last year he kind of proved that he is not only uh, one of the best uh, hitting players catchers in the league but the guy just has a knack for he guts out everything he runs everything yeah you know what i mean like how many infield singles (laughs) did he have he led
1: the team in infield singles last year which
0: and this is a guy who again was was wrongfully criticized for oh god his body type whatever
1: we aren't worried about it (laughs) whatever
0: stupid ass reason it was but anyway i love alejandro kurgan cleanup because he has power i'm very curious to see how the new dimensions Uh, impact that i don't know that kirk is really an oppo
1: he's
0: he's got he hits it to
1: all fields like he's not a guy that was ever his spray chart is is decent yeah yeah so but again
0: with the changes in the uh, in uh, the field dimensions uh, at the rogers center as well as the increase in the size of the the base yeah uh, the bases and the the virtual elimination of the shift. I I think Kirk, as great as Kirk uh, had a season last year. I, I I I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. So I I'm really I'm yeah. banking on it him having an equal to better performance as he did last year. Again, I'm going for reliability over flexibility. Uh, whether he's catching or DH, I have him fourth. I just like that spot for Kirk. He's a power machine. He's a he's yeah. a tank.
1: Yeah, I I uh, I like him there. My only thing is like, what do you do on days when he's not in the lineup? Who do you put there, if, right? I mean, if he's, he's, he's not, not going to play every day, so
0: he's not. But if he's not catching and not DHing, uh, <laughs> it's got to. If if he's not DHing, you you put in Brent. You throw in Brandon Belt, I guess. But fair,
1: fair, yeah. Uh I get that.
0: I don't I don't know. I don't know. I I like to think that if he's not catching or DHing, it's a day off. Like I Yeah, that's exactly
1: see, what I'm saying too. I, yeah. I I
0: want Kirk to be in the lineup at least 150 games if it's possible. Ooh, that's a lot for a catcher. It's a lot to ask of a, a 23-year-old. Uh um, Yeah. was just an all-star, but that's what I'm doing.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, no, and I mean the projections, I mean FanGraphs hasn't projected to hit fourth. So uh, that's there, and they've got him at just below 500 plate appearances, which would be like I think 130 games ish. Um, yeah. So, yeah, pretty pretty close. And What's I mean, his
0: projection for home runs?
1: Is uh, se- like seventeen, but his Seven. O P his OPS would be uh 806. So. We uh, like that. <laughs> I'm taking
0: the over on 17 homers. <laughs> I don't know.
1: So I don't know if he's he, he's kind of a guy. I don't think he's ever going to hit a ton. He's not. He doesn't have that uppercut swing like Danny Jansen does. Jano, by the way, is projected to hit uh, 22 homers this year. That's um, a lot
0: for your catching tandem. That's uh, a lot of friggin' homers. yeah.
1: If they can, get, they'd be close to 40 home runs apiece, and each of them's projected to have an OPS. Uh, Danny's is going to be like 770-ish. So. <laughs> Yeah. So we're going to
0: have two all star catchers? It doesn't make sense. It's entirely possible. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) Fifth spot against righties. I've got Brandon Belton here. I've got him DHing or playing first base, whether or not Vladdy's playing first or getting a DH day. Uh, I think Vladdy, Bo are going to be the two, and Chappie will likely be the the three guys in the team who will play close to every day. Um, You might only see, like, maybe Vladdy gets one day off here. Or Bo gets one day off, but those are all—all all three of those guys are guys who are capable of playing 162 games. And I think uh, defensively, you need Chapman in there, but that's not what we're talking about. But I just feel like uh, I think I think uh, Belt's going to be a really really important piece against those righties, similar to Varsho, where I like having him in the fifth spot because Mixes again, the there aren't three right-handers in a row, right? So it's 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 still tough late in the game for an opposing manager to bring in that tough reliever to start an inning off when you might have Belt do up second or third, like, between some righties. So I like having him there for that reason. And I mean, we don't really know what we're gonna get with Brennan Belt because he was hurt literally the past year and didn't have a great season. His OPS against Raves was only seven oh two last year, but I mean he didn't really have much power last year. If we look back previous years he's mashed right-handed pitching so we'll have to see what he's looking like in the spring and that'll really help inform this decision I think but who do you have in the fifth spot
0: I'm Matt Chapman uh almost exclusively because I think he is going to have an upswing when it comes to home runs he hit 27 last year which is incredible <laughs> yeah uh he's also not a slouch on the base pass he scored 83 times no. and drove in 76 home runs so there's yeah there's a lot there. Uh, he has a, a very strong walk rate. And while the strikeouts, uh, they did actually decrease. They did. Uh, from his and... career average. Uh, there was a lot of uh, moments where he did strike out at disappointing times. But he's just so... He was running got up some much... bad
1: calls last year, too. <laughs> he Quite did, yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's
0: just so... He has so much power that... I didn't yeah. want to put him fourth. The idea of having him fifth to continue the cycle of going, like, we've got Springer, average, bow average, and then power, power, power. For sure. I just like the idea of of, of it being four-nothing in the first inning. Like I love the idea of jamming the power down the, our <laughs> opponent's throats so yeah. that way our, our pitchers can cruise
1: for sure no i uh, like it i, I mean <laughs> I,
0: I love it it's it is limited though because it goes righty 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 and that's yeah, not got,
1: you don't you, your lineup is more like you're trying to just mash and i'm thinking like nine innings
0: <laughs> i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to mash the home run like the you're home trying to get that so starter much. out of the game <laughs> i want the starter of the game before the second inning levels of like <laughs> intense power and it, it it's good but it's also it's it's a little bit of an all or nothing. My guy that I have sixth yeah. is interesting because it's Varsho, who's okay. a lefty. Yep. Um I I have him uh, sixth versus right handers and then I have him ninth against lefties just because he, he really struggles with the lefties. Yeah. But having Varsho near the bottom this again this was performance based not what what side of the plate he hit from. I think having Varsho sixth really lengthens the lineup. It, it's another example of uh, from Vladdy all the way down, it goes power, 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 power. You've got Vladdy power, Kirk power, Chappie power. Varsho is power, not average. Right. And then immediately following that up, I've got Danny Jansen, who's power, or Brandon Belt, who is an enigma for us right now. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, fair. Um, yeah, my, have sixth? my sixth spot, this is where I have the catcher duo against righties. I've got either Kirk or Janna, whoever's catching that day. Um, Interesting. I could, I mean, you could argue that you could DH the other one, but I, I had Belt in there for, since he's a lefty. So I've got the Kirk Janna combo here. I don't think it matters who you put. Uh, in at the plate against righties, I think uh, both guys obviously did well. Kirky's OPS was 797 against righties, and Danny was an under- otherworldly 863 last year against righties. So he just hit home runs off everybody. He just, Danny, he clobbered Danny everybody. Bonds. So I, I like having them there. Um, I have Chappie in my seventh spot. And That's really, really, the only reason I did it was because I felt like I wanted, because I didn't have Kirky or Jano up in my second spot like you did. I want to Chappie lower because I feel like having the the power potential in that bottom third of the order. He's almost like a second. I wouldn't say like a second cleanup guy, but he's a, he's another opportunity, right? Like if because Kirky's Kirky's got such a high OBP that if he gets on base, I mean even if Belt's not there, you've still got Kirky on. Chappie's gonna get some pitches to hit. Keeps it uh, moving. It keeps it moving. So I liked Chappie in my seventh spot, but I could see him hitting anywhere from fifth, to seventh, in any given day against righties too. So, I I don't disagree with with how you've there, got yours formatted there with him in the in the fifth spot.
0: There's so much power to work with on this team. It's funny how they talk about uh, how we talked about last year. The uh, the it was de- power was de-emphasized, but yeah, you look at this team now and well, I mean.
1: I think has uh, as much power as Teoscar. And ended. Yeah, and I think what we, and we've mentioned it before, <laughs> I mean, obvi- we, we've talked about the defensive upgrades by bringing in Varsho and a Kiermaier, but we haven't really talked about the base running upgrades, right, as much. Like, obviously, Teoscar wasn't a fast runner. He, I mean, he was kind of quick, but he wasn't as intelligent of a base runner, I guess, when it came to, like, taking first to third. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. ran like he had a grand piano attached to his back. Um, for such a tall brutal. lanky guy he just had no sprint speed whatsoever for like his physique so now you've got guys like kiermaier and varsho varsho is going to be able to steal he stole i think 16 bags last year so he's gonna have a chance to steal more than that this year and then kiermaier might not steal many bases anymore but he's we know how fast he is at tracking down fly balls so you've got to believe there's some speed in there to run the bases at least it's the same with chappy not a high stolen base guy but an intelligent base runner Danny jansen the same I think this team's baseball IQ has gone up tremendously this year. And that's another reason why I constructed my lineup this way is I want to have intelligent base runners and speed against a, ahead of guys with more power, which is kind of why I, I have Kirky behind um, belt, Bo and Vladdy is I feel like if Bo's still on base for Kirky, there's a good chance he's on around second base already. So a single drive to in, sort of thing. So,
0: yeah. yeah it makes complete sense you're also your lineup is more of a if, if i may say so more of a playoff style lineup <laughs> yeah I'm my lineup I'd... is more of a <laughs> i'm going to pound the shit at your three four and five starter
1: yeah uh, and and i think we'll, we'll see some tinkering we, we know john steiner was not afraid to tinker right he tinkered a ton when he took over um it worked, though. yeah I mean, it did. You look at their look at their performance, look at the record yeah who do you uh, have in, in your se- in your seventh spot?
0: In the seventh slot? Uh, give me one second. I've got uh, just a DH of Danny Jansen or Brandon Belt. That's my, like, yep. if Kirk isn't catching. Um, I think Danny Jansen demonstrated last year that he his philosophy at the plate has changed. Sure. He was incredibly reliable uh, as a source of power, uh, and I just like it. I just like that spot. <laughs> we I, love Dan I Johnson have here. exactly I have very little uh, trust in Brandon Belt. Not because he, he he's not a good player, he's a great player. He played many years in San Francisco in not exactly a hitters ballpark and was mashing. Yeah. But exactly. he's a different player than what he was five years ago. And I don't know what to expect of him and there, I don't have the same level of trust uh, equity in performance, uh, results in Brandon Belt than I had in, in Danny Jansen. So sure. I would prefer Danny Jansen DH versus righties. Um, but I understand the case for both. I know Brandon Belt wasn't brought in just to sit on the bench, yeah. but I'm going with again reliability over flexibility in this case for sure
1: no i get that too and then i think our eight and nine spots we've we kind of agree on this it's whoever's gonna be placed second base that day is gonna be the eighth spot whether it's biggio whitmerry fielder santiago espinal none of them are gonna light the world on fire against righties biggio did have the best ops against righties last year but he also had way less plate appearances than everybody else probably Um, had a higher
0: strikeout rate probably
1: had a higher strikeout rate But remember, no shift this year, and Biggio pulls a lot to right field. So there could be some more base hits in his future. Um,
0: Yeah, I think Biggio's average is going to go up at least 30 uh, to 40. He's got to be one of the guys
1: who benefits. And if he doesn't, then I mean, it's kind of do or die for him in that sense. Yeah, I um, feel
0: like this is like the end of uh, end of his runway as far as like is he is he going to be the second baseman yeah. in the future? Is he a guy I who thought, play every day, you know? Yeah, I thought Espinal earned it last year, but in the here first we half. are again. <laughs> here we are again. Yeah. Uh the, his back half uh, of his season was he, he had a lot of trouble at the plate at uh, defensively, especially against
1: righties, he struggled
0: yeah defensively he's still uh as strong an option we have in yes. the middle infield 100%. as anybody yeah he's but the best
1: he might be the second he's the second best defender on this team in the infield behind matt chapman so
0: i would agree with that but again the struggles in the second i don't know if it's because he was gassed i think it's because he was gassed
1: i think he was it was really the first time in his career that he was ex- that he was in close to an everyday player and he played almost every, he played every day because biggio was hurt and got sent down right like he they was didn't in have all the wit time. until later in the didn't season didn't have it till the trade deadline like yeah um, he was he was relied upon he was uh, he
0: performed admirably he until he and then he ran out. it i think he just ran out
1: of gas yeah and i think um Th- that's really, it is. pitchers learned how to right-handed pitchers learned how to exploit him they were throwing him pitches just outside of the zone and, and he just couldn't catch up to them and Swing couldn't and make contact here. Um, but, yeah, whoever's playing second base will be in the eighth spot. And then we've got Kevin Kiermaier in the ninth spot for obvious reasons. Not a guy who's going to produce a ton offensively, but we know why he's there. He's in there to make incredible catches in center field and keep the opposition from scoring. I'm uh, not even
0: that confident he's going to see that much time.
1: I think he'll be in there against righties. And we're we're going to talk about lefties now. and yeah. Because... Two of the three starting outfielders in Varsho and Kiermaier are left-handed. It's going to create some issues. Um, we still have George Springer leading off. Nothing's going to change there. He's a leadoff hitter. Second, I believe uh, your top four is pretty much the same. Hey, you've got my top a- five are identical. Your top five right are identical. Because See, I again, mind quite a bit. <laughs>
0: I wasn't trying to be a, a basic uh, a, a basic boy.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> I did it with the idea of. Again, I'm gonna jam the home run down your throat yep. until it's until it's it's four nothing in the third inning, to give my pitchers more space. And if we know if we learned anything from last year, having when Ross Stripling had the lead, he pitched with this level of calmness and confidence that really paid off. Right and. I, I want that same opportunity for Barrios and Bassett and Kikuchi in the back half of uh, of our rotation. Right. Uh, I, I have a little bit more trust uh built up with uh with Barrios than I do with Kikuchi, but um despite the fact he had a worse season than Kikuchi, arguably. Yeah. Um I I want that I want them to have that that safety of like knowing that the the, the big boys are gonna go up there and and whoever it is clobber them.
1: Yeah, see I I'm deeming my left handed lineup the Carlos Rodon killer. And the reason I'm doing that is I've got Springer leading off of course. I've actually moved Kirky into the second spot here. That's yeah that's because of pitch because of his patience and his ability to work the count. I've got Vladdy at third because I've got to believe that one of Springer or Kirk can get, can get on ahead of him, whether it's to start the game or later on. And then Vladdy's got guys on base, and the pitcher, if it's Rodon, is forced to pitch to him. Then you've got Bo behind Vladdy, who is capable of cashing everybody in ahead of him, as is Vladdy or Kirk or Springer, if that and he's strong
0: she has strong career numbers against left-handed pitchers yes. as
1: well. And then you've got you've got Jano and I put Jano in the 5th spot here. So I I've, I've got m- both of my catchers in the lineup. What, what, whatever whichever one is catching, the other one DH is. I don't care who it yeah. is. Yeah. Um so I have got those guys in my top 5. Yeah.
0: That it's really solid uh, as far as lineup construction Yeah, I
1: completely changed it. Now I'm going all I'm stacking my righties now. <laughs>
0: it forces the hand of any left-handed pitcher to Yeah be more aggressive and that is a trap
1: yeah yeah it's
0: really difficult to get aggressive against Kirk and Vladdy and both because they have such good eyes
1: yeah the only lefty I even have in my starting lineup is Varsha or Kiermaier whoever's kind of in center field that day so I've got both of my catchers in I've got Chapman hitting sixth I've got Merrifield either playing center or left field on these days
0: that's underrated. That's an underrated slot to have yes. with Merrifield in. And then I've, I've got Espinol. I've
1: got Espinol in at second because he had an 8.26 OPS against lefties last year. It's actually yeah, tied with Jano for the highest on the on the team, which is he's crazy. He's very
0: very good against lefties. Yes, and he does
1: feast on them because they're not pitching away to him as much. They're coming more inside. And yeah. then I've got Varsho, Kiermaier in the in the bottom slot. The, both of them struggle against lefties, but I need either one of their defensive. I need their gloves in the field. So, I mean, yeah. One I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how much experience Whit Merrifield has playing left, but, I mean, I'd, I'd probably put either Varsho or Kiermaier in center field, of course. If Kiermaier is he's playing center. Varsho's a guy who can play all three outfield positions. Yeah. I'd like, I mean, Whit Merrifield showed, he's been decent in center field in his last few years with both the Royals and with the Blue Jays last year. So, I'm, I'm still confident in putting him out there. Springer could also play center field on these days. So I mean, for me I'm not really too worried about the defensive alignment because I'm everybody on this team now I'm confident that they can play good outfield defense. Anybody who's gonna be out there regularly. Uh I think that would include what Maryfield and Kevin Biggio if he gets any time on like Raider right left field too. I'm pretty confident that those guys are all they're all very smart baseball players.
0: What was Kevin's OPS against left handed?
1: I left-handed didn't hand even look. Side. I didn't even consider it.
0: Well well look it up while I talk <laughs> about my bottom sure. half of the lineup. Tell me yours. Mine is kind of similar, uh, but different. It, it's it's g- kind of the sim- similar reasons. Um, I have Santiago as uh, Santiago Espinal up in the lineup a little bit more. I have him batting sixth immediately behind Chappie. Yeah. Um, he has again such a strong performance against lefties. The idea of having Espinal there is almost like it's starting over. He's like a the new leadoff in the bottom half of the lineup. Danny Jansen immediately following it up. Again, same OPS as Espinal against left handed hitters. He's Mm -hmm. just a a lefty masher. Uh, I love that idea of having these two back to back immediately after Chappie, who, if he hadn't cleared the bases, (laughs) you know, put a good dent in, in them. Yep. Whit Merrifield, I think, is. An underrated hitter against lefties. Yeah, and he's, he again, struggled
1: overall last year, so it's did. tough. It's tough to base his future projections off of his past performance. Yeah. Um,
0: yes, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah,
1: his his OPS by the way this year is projected to be somewhere in the six eighty four range by graphs which I think is actually pretty low. I think he's going to have a bounce back season, but that's a topic for another day.
0: Yes, um, but uh, I'll also conclude just by saying it. In my ninth slot is, uh, I think the the same as you, where I have Dalton Varsho or Kevin Kiermaier, whoever is mm-hmm. probably whoever is performing better, with uh, a pretty heavy bias in favor of Varsho.
1: Yeah, and look, the reason I think the reason we both of us did this too is Kiermaier has a history of not being healthy. And not playing a full season, like I think he hasn't played more than 129 games in like the last six years, and that's only been a couple times when he's even reached 120. So I think having the ability to give him a day off, you don't you don't feel the need to put him in there every day, especially if he's not performing well against lefties. You can you can put Varsho in there for his speed and hope that he can leg something out if he's not hitting for power. Um, or I mean, <laughs> you could be super drastic and. Like put Springer, Biggio, and Merrifield in the lineup or something like that, or, or if you could throw uh, Espinal in right field for a day, like do something crazy, you know, and try to make it work. But uh, Biggio's OPS by the way against lefties, Patrick was five forty six and a one fifty batting average, so he's not gonna be in there against lefties.
0: No, probably <laughs> not.
1: Probably not.
0: I I, s- I think he'll have better numbers this year. I do. I like. I think it'll be. He'll be above Mendoza. Yeah. Uh, just because, again, uh, not having to deal with the shift is going to help Kevin Biggio a lot. Yeah. But well, it could be I mean... interesting because if Kiermaier falters and Dalton Varsho isn't available because he's playing in right field and Springer's DHing yeah. or is not available as Springer's want to do, he plays. Like every game is his last game yeah. ever. Well, he plays with a level of intensity <laughs> that I think it just makes it hard for him to maintain over a full season. Yeah. It means that there is a spot in the outfield for either Whit Merrifield if he's not already in the lineup, or mm-hmm. Kevin Biggio. I just think Biggio will see more reps than we think. Hopefully not against lefties, but...
1: And look, like we they're going to have a bench player. Like It's going to be like a Nathan Lucas, an Addison Barger, maybe a Spencer Horwitz, another guy who's going to be able to play outfield, but yeah. uh, Nathan Lucas and uh, Nathan Lucas is a lefty, so it, it we run into the same issue against left-handed pitchers. The reason, the thing I like is we we both have all three of our players who are able to play catcher in the lineup, <laughs> but that also leaves you some flexibility, right? Like by DHing either Jana or Kirk, let's say that you need to pinch hit or pinch run for kirky later in a game you can just shift Varsho in to catcher then you don't have to lose your DH and then you have somebody else go out to the outfield like uh one of your bench guys like your Nathan Lucas for example or your Biggio like depending on the game like i think the Blue Jays are they're they're going to be like it was last year at the start of the season with uh the Biggio and Espinal like kind of platoon where they won't be afraid to pinch hit for either one of them like before the 7th inning kind of thing like they're not going to be i think we're well, going to see a lot of that this year
0: that's why I think Espinel is kind of an X factor. Yeah. Well, I think
1: Brandon Belt's an X factor too because we don't know what we're getting with him.
0: I have no idea what to expect from him. Yeah. I'm expecting my expectation is is zero, but that's because we we just who knows. Yeah,
1: like we know his track record, but we don't know what he, what he's gonna be like as a 35 year old guy coming off of knee like knee uh, knee issues, right? So it's. It could be really good, or it could just be a bench bat. So, <laughs> I just think Espinal
0: say. is the is the biggest X factor for this team because of how strong he is against lefties, or how strong he yeah. was against lefties. Let's see if he keeps it up. I don't know how many PA's did he have against lefties last year?
1: Quite a few. One, um, more than two hundred. Uh, let me get. I don't know if anybody had that many because there's lefties. not that many lefties. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. He had only one hundred and twenty-eight against lefties. But he hit three hundred and one in that time. That's really good. Um, and I mean, th- three of his seven home runs were against lefties, and he had less than I'd say like it was about thirty percent of his plate appearances were against lefties. So, so whatever, power for whatever reason, better. he's
0: just he's strong against lefties.
1: We'll yeah, I would say that's the case. By the way, he year. also walked fourteen times to only thirteen strikeouts versus lefties. So, really fucking strong. The, just the understand. contact ability for him against left handed pitching is just so much higher that I do. I think if there's a lefty in the mound, he's automatically in the lineup. It's That's it so has weird. To be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so strange. It's a tale as old as time. Some like, look like at Biggio, right? Complete opposite. the Lefty who can't hit lefties. It's just arm action, deception, whatever it is. It's just the way, the way of the world. Um, but in typical S fashion, we thought we were going to do a quick episode, and it's been almost an hour. Yeehaw. That happens every time. But I think it was a, I think it was a good discussion to have. It's, it's one of the topics that's been kind of bouncing around Twitter and bouncing around Dunedin. So now is the time to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. And we'll see what the Blue Jays start rolling out, because games start in two days. So we'll he get right. a good sense of how they want to construct the lineup, even though we know the regulars are only going to get one or two at-bats to start. But it'll be at least give us a sense to how John Schneider wants to structure his lineup. And we'll probably get to see it in action a little bit too. And maybe we'll get some guys on base and some home runs being hit.
0: Could be. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'll say this. My last thoughts when it comes to the lineup, I would make the case that my lineup represents a regular season lineup, while yours is more likely to be a playoff style lineup. I can agree with that much further ahead like you're looking at like i want to win this game and yeah. i've got to pull out all the stops yeah mine is like this is the lineup you trot out against you know pittsburgh cincinnati chicago cubs uh the al central and whatever <laughs> wieners are are we're playing against. anybody who's like sub 500 i think you yeah could, you just jam the home run down their throat uh I, I could see the lineup you've constructed being used a lot against the Yankees and the Rays.
1: And yeah, then it's, a, the it's a big game lineup, for sure.
0: It's a big game lineup. Mine is more of a, like, I'm out here to, like, clobber you. Anybody who's 500, like, four games above 500 or worse, is going to see this lineup that just jams the home run down their throat and then Kevin Gossman comes out and just throws, you know, splitters all day to piss them off That's <laughs> for just how sure it is it's what yeah. happened last year
1: <laughs> well thanks as always for listening you guys if you're still here after an hour and one minute we appreciate you for patrick out in halifax justin here in saskatoon find us on twitter and on the website at Bfmd podcast bfmdpodcast.com listen wherever you get your podcasts thanks as always and we will see you on sunday